0: Thanks for joining us on Transportation Radio. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. Today we're continuing our series with the CEOs of the state DOTs. Our last one was with Mark Lucan, the commissioner from Alaska, the largest state in the Union. And today we're joined by Peter Alvidi from Rhode Island, the smallest state. As I know we'll hear, being the smallest in size certainly does not mean being small in terms of responsibilities and goals. Director Alvidi, welcome to Transportation Radio.
1: Well, hello, Bernie. It's, it's a pleasure to be on with you and uh, talk a little bit about what we've got going on here in Rhode Island.
0: Well, I'm sure there's a lot that is going on. I'm sure we won't be able to cover it all, but hopefully we can at least hit some of the highlights. And with that, one of the things I like to do when we begin these profiles is start with an overview of the agency, because each agency is unique in terms of their
1: responsibilities.
0: So if you would, tell us a bit about RIDOT, please.
1: So Island is responsible for the um, operation, maintenance, and capital improvements, of course, to uh, the state of Rhode Island's transportation infrastructure, including transit, um, uh, roadways, bridges, drainage systems, and all of the normal infrastructure related to uh, transportation and uh, railway transportation. We have about uh, 700 employees. I think uh, this year we're up to about 740 employees in um, a number of divisions. During the last two years, our organization has transformed drastically under uh, the guidance of uh, Governor Raimondo. Uh, When Governor Raimondo took office two years ago, uh, and I came on board, she uh, had two simple missions that she set uh, DOT on. And uh, the first is to rebuild the state of Rhode Island's uh, transportation infrastructure and where we're currently 50th out of 50 in terms of structural deficiency in our bridges and our roads are not too far behind on that. Uh, she asked us to uh, develop a plan and, a, and implement a plan that would correct that situation. And um, in the process also DOT itself, our our Rhode Island DOT, was an organization that was uh, steeped in tradition and bureaucracy that she asked for us to modernize and create an organization with the delivery capabilities of providing that new infrastructure and provide the proper maintenance for it in the future. And uh, we set about that task and created, for the first time in the history of Rhode Island, a 10-year plan that would get us from a state of structural deficiency to a state of sufficiency within that 10-year period. We uh, implemented uh, the 10-year plan uh, into our uh, STIP program and got it ratified. We also married with that 10-year plan. That was a plan that was uh, developed using an asset management approach rather than the traditional worst-first approach that the DOT had been following for decades here. We implemented our projects over the 10 years in a way that uh, would save uh, about a billion dollars over the 10-year period uh, from the traditional methodologies that capital improvements were planned and executed. We uh, implemented, uh, along with that, a plan to provide the revenue stream necessary to support this new plan. It's a $4.7 billion plan and found that the traditional revenue streams that the DOT had were not sufficient to be able to fulfill the sufficiency, the, you know, ten-year plan mission that we had created. So we developed the, the means and we developed legislation that provided DOT with a dedicated and reliable funding mechanism for the next 10 years that would provide the ability to execute that 10-year plan with some certainty. We found ourselves, even after uh, making revisions to the various state formulas that the revenue came to us through, that we fell short by about 10% of our revenue needs. And we decided to implement in that same legislation for the first time ever, a statewide tolling system. The tolling system uh, would be implemented uh, at 14 locations throughout the state on bridges for the purpose of rebuilding the bridges, and they would be located on bridges that were going to be reconstructed as part of this 10-year program. And uh, we implemented the tolling on large commercial vehicles only. Our study showed, and federal studies showed, that from a standpoint of fairness, the large commercial vehicles were using more of the infrastructure, improportionately more, up to almost 10,000 times more than a normal passenger vehicle, and therefore uh, should be responsible to generate the user fees necessary to provide that additional 10% funding that we needed to fulfill our mission. And in the legislation, we also included mandates that would make Rhode Island DOT transparent and accountable for the use of the proceeds during the next 10 years in a very transparent way. And we included the reorganization of DOT itself and transformed DOT from an old construction engineering kind of operation to a project management organization that will be able to provide the delivery pipeline for these projects during the next 10 years. So we've had our hands full during the last couple of years, but that's where we came from, and that's where we are now.
0: Well, talking about that uh, tolling system that uh, is being discussed for commercial vehicles, large commercial vehicles, as one might imagine, there would be a bit of pushback from the trucking industry for something like that. Where do things stand right now as far as that being implemented?
1: So the legislation was approved by uh, both the House and Senate uh, last year, about a year ago, and we entered into 13 memorandums of understanding with the Federal Highway Administration on both the location and methodology that we were using to toll, and uh, we have had those executed about six months ago with the Federal Highway Administration. And um, we have put... Uh, out for RFP, the uh, tolling system, and we put it out in a way that the uh, contractor would provide design, build, operate, and maintain maintenance of the uh, tolling facilities for the next 10 years with five-year renewable options on it. And uh, we received proposals from six companies and we're in the process of evaluating those. We expect that evaluation to be completed in early May when we execute the agreements. And under the provisions of the RFP, and under the provisions of the contract we'll be signing, uh, the contractor will be responsible to get the first tolling gantry. It will be an automated system, AET uh, type of tolling system, that – the first gantry will be up, running and collecting its first toll by the end of this year. That's where we are now. We, we certainly did get pushback from the trucking industry. It's no surprise. But during the very early development stage of our thinking here, when we first started talking about tolls, the legislation uh, which the governor has named Roadworks here in Rhode Island, During the uh, creation of the roadworks legislation, which included the tolling legislation, we engaged um, one of the country's best law firms with regard to uh, their expertise in in tolling and commercial transportation law, uh, Hawkins, Delafield, and Wood out of New York, to basically take part with us on a daily basis in not only the legal review, but also the legal advisory capacity in terms of the creation of the tolling system, the manner in which the tolling system will be charged, the charges themselves, and the aspects revolving around the truck-only rationale, which come mainly from literature and studies that were provided during the last up to 30 years in several university and governmental reports that, show that there is an proportionate amount of usage of bridges and roads by large commercial vehicles. So we expect to have the first tolling gantry up and and collecting tolls by December of this year.
0: Now part of that mandate that you talked about also involved transparency
1: for Rhode Island DOT.
0: Tell me a bit about what you're doing to increase transparency as far as it goes.
1: Well, we we had written, we kind of... uh, put our own handcuffs on ourselves here at DOT. And knowing that, to ask for a considerable amount of increase in uh, state spending in our infrastructure, it was incumbent upon us to be able to provide the taxpayers of the state with a transparent kind of view of how we were spending this money and how we were maintaining our facilities. So we included in the legislation a requirement to provide them with a quarterly report And as part of our project management, that project by project in the quarterly report that's published not only on our website, but published uh, and delivered to the legislature, it contains a report on every project that we're going to do, every project that we plan on doing, the schedule, the budget, and whether or not they're on time and on budget. That quarterly report has been delivered, I guess, four times now, since it's, it's a little over a year that that the legislature was in. And in addition to that, we went a couple of steps beyond that. To make our projects a little bit more transparent, we put that same quarterly report kind of dashboard right out in the field adjacent to the projects that are in the form of project signs that are color-coded uh, with regard to budget And schedule, whether it's on time or on budget, Uh, and the expectations, total contract amount, what the contract is for, so that the taxpayers of the state can see where their money is being spent, how it's being spent, and whether or not we're doing it efficiently.
0: One of the interesting aspects, perhaps not a formal part of that transparency process, but something certainly that's very visible is you have a weekly appearance on a Providence radio station. Tell me a bit about that, please.
1: For many years, you know, the the image um, and reputation of Rhode Island DOT wasn't probably where it should be. Uh, There are many uh, hardworking and smart and energetic men and women that work here, but because of some of the uh, non-performance and because of the general condition of the infrastructure here in Rhode Island, of course, there was a public image problem, and uh, in part to address that, in addition to the more transparent kind of reporting and performance functions that we put in place, we decided to you know, have me go on and speak directly uh, with our, the constituents here in Rhode Island so that they can face-to-face or voice-to-voice, at least on the radio, tell us what their concerns are what their criticisms are, and, and if they have any, what their, you know, recommendations and compliments might be, and it's worked out very well. I think we've we've established a good rapport with the general public, and we've provided feedback to them on a timely basis on any of the questions and or comments that they have. Uh, whether or not uh, they agree with us all the time is another matter, but uh, at least. It's an effort on our part to be more transparent and open with the people who pay the bills here. You mentioned
0: about all the traffic that passes through Rhode Island. Of course, you're part of the Northeast Corridor. I-95 bisects the state. How do you use ITS to both manage the traffic that's passing through Rhode Island, as well as people who are driving within the state, and also to use that to inform people as to what's going on?
1: We implemented some years ago here at DOT the uh, variable message boards that run along the main highways. And uh, we use those to alert drivers and uh, commercial operators to any hazards and or slowdowns or uh, accidents that are along the path of their travel here in the state. Uh, and we've used that very effectively. Beyond that, we've also uh, implemented some safety systems in the form of wrong way driving we found that we had a good number of accidents happening on entrance and exits ramps uh, where people would enter the highway in the wrong direction, usually because they were driving impaired in some way. And during the last couple of years, we installed 24 detectors, which are automated systems that sense by radar car traveling in the wrong direction on an exit ramp. And, Light up alerts and signals and audible alarms to prevent the car from going forward, and that system is also linked into our automated systems facility here at DOT, uh, where we have state police on call with us to put out alerts that a wrong-way driver is entering the, the the highway, and also to implement on our variable message signs on the highways in the locations that that wrong way driver is in, alerting the oncoming traffic to the fact that there might be a vehicle coming in their direction. So prior to us installing those, at those locations that we installed, between January 2010 and May 2015, we had 16 crashes, 23 injuries, 8 fatalities. And from May 2015, when... When the final installation was made of those two, December 2016 uh, of this year, we had zero crashes, zero injuries, and zero fatalities at those same locations. That part of our automated systems uh, is proving to be very effective in, in avoiding uh, crashes and fatalities and injuries.
0: Of course, transit also plays a role with moving people through and around Rhode Island. You have Amtrak, of course, but you also have the bus system as well as your relationship with the MBTA as far as train service to Boston. Uh, Tell me a bit about transit in Rhode Island. Well,
1: we do. We partner with RIPTA, which is an agency that's separate from uh, Rhode Island DOT that handles the, the state's bus system, and we are partnering with them on a number of projects to increase the size and functionality of that bus system the public busing system that we have here we're also working with Amtrak to upgrade a number of our existing stations uh, and uh, with the MBTA that provides commuter uh, rail service between Boston and Providence to increase the the um, the amount of service that that they're providing to us. In addition, we've got a brand new station that we're building in Pawtucket and Central Falls, the cities of Pawtucket and Central Falls in, in the state, uh, and we just put that out to bid. We're in the process of awarding a design build contract that will begin construction this summer. We're also in the process of evaluating proposals from under a, a P3 that we have put out for requests for qualifications, where we would uh, partner with a private partner to build a new transit hub next to the Providence train station for our buses. Uh, Right now, our bus hub is about a half mile away from our train station, has been that way for about 20 or 30 years 20 years ago when they moved the uh, train station to a new location but never moved the bus hub that was adjacent to it to a new location. Well, we decided to do a P3 that not only would involve the building of a new bus hub adjacent to the train station but also an overbuild that would include private development and economic development as a transit-oriented development kind of project. And we're in the process of getting that up and running. We expect that's about a $100 million project that we're hoping to get a selection made and under construction in the next nine months. In the midst of all of this, here in Rhode Island, we have one of the most beautiful bays that a state might want, Narragansett Bay. It has been the site of America's Cup races in the the past uh, century. And it also is a source of one of the most beautiful coastlines and coastal villages in the country here in New England. We didn't have a ferry system. So last summer, within a six-week period from decision to implementation, we uh, implemented a new ferry system that connects the city of Providence with the uh, city of Newport and provides ferry service during the summer months from Providence to Newport. And we connected that with a uh, transit connection to the train station so that on a regional basis, people could take trains into Providence or people visiting Providence could also visit Newport and in the process see the beautiful Narragansett Bay that we have here. That was so successful, in fact, the majority of trips back and forth last summer were 100% sold out and that encouraged us to this year expand on that. So we're expanding the time frame, uh, or the season and we're expanding the number of trips on that. And we're looking forward to expanding that service into a more robust service over the next few years that would, uh, provide smaller ferries connecting to the main ferry that would get people to some of the beautiful coastal villages and towns along Narragansett Bay, uh, whether they be visitors to Rhode Island or people who live here on Rhode Island. Uh, we're also introducing into that an uh, Amtrak service from Manhattan to Newport. With a single ticket, uh, a person can get on an Amtrak train, take it into Providence and, and seamlessly be on the Newport Ferry to Newport on a single ticket. And uh, we're just starting that service up this summer, too, to encourage additional tourism into the beautiful state that we have here.
0: Well, one last thing I'd like to talk about is a bit about you. Uh, You've been the director for Rhode Island DOT for a little more than two years now. But before that, what did you do? How did you first
1: get involved with the
0: transportation world?
1: So, uh, you know, I started out as a civil engineer many, many, many years ago, too long uh, for me to like, but... uh, I started out as a civil engineer many years ago and worked in various architectural engineering in related transportation design for a number of years, uh, worked with Raytheon Company for several years when I was a young engineer in their commercial operations division. From there, I had my own civil engineering company for a number of years. In the 90s, I was recruited by Mayor Trafficante of Cranston, Rhode Island, to uh, be the public works director for the city of Cranston here in Rhode Island. And we did some exciting uh, things around P3s and wastewater and transportation initiatives in the city of Cranston. For some time after that, I worked with the Laborers International Union of North America uh, in their health and safety uh, division and had a great time working on health and safety initiatives uh, and programs particularly in and around the transportation industry, and uh, until a couple of years ago uh, when I met with the governor and uh, she asked me to step in here as the uh, director of transportation for DOT here in Rhode Island. Quite an extraordinary experience. Uh, The last two years have been very hectic but uh, very productive. Uh, The governor has shown great leadership and provided great support to us in getting our infrastructure needs taken care of and reforming the organization into an organization that will be able to deliver this 10-year plan. We find ourselves, while we uh, certainly have provided the means and the plan for which to correct uh, a state of deficiency in our transportation system here in Rhode Island, We're very much looking forward to the new national program that is being discussed to kind of be the second phase of the state of good repair program and provide us with the income and revenue that we could use for expanding our transportation systems here. So we find ourselves in a very good position, particularly with all of the changes in the planning that we have put in during the last couple of years, put in place here, and uh, position ourselves rather well to take advantage of this next wave of funding that will come from the federal government.
0: Well, Director Alfidi, you certainly have uh, lived up to what I promised at the beginning, that Rhode Island, despite its small size, there is a lot of responsibility and goals that uh, you are taking on there at RIDOT. We thank you so much for being our guest today on Transportation Radio. Again, our guest has been Peter Alvedi. He is the director of Rhode Island DOT. And, Peter, thank you so much again for being my guest.
1: Well, thank you very much, Bernie. It's a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, next time you're in the area, stop in uh, to Rhode Island and uh, pay us a visit.